tyranny was broken by the sins of the father, and his shepherds finally ceased to roam, seeking instead the simple peace found in the comfort of heart and home. All eyes now turn to his heir and son, who forged their home with his power. Will he be strong enough to lead them in this, their darkest hour? Welcome back to Lost Tribe, Darkest Hour. As always, I am the author and your humble narrator, Peter Ivy. This week I'll be reading from chapters 6, 7, and 8. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow and subscribe to help me keep bringing this story to you. Thank you for listening, and let's begin. Chapter 6 This day had officially gone to hell. The young man I failed to protect that Benon had killed in cold blood lay behind the footsteps of the killer himself as he strode towards me, his black sword held out in front of him in challenge. He was thinner than he had been before, maybe even younger. Who knows what was possible where the dark sphere was concerned? He hadn't spoken a word, but his intent was clear enough, and so too were his friends on the bikes chasing after the limo. Flynn and Da were inside, and I'd have to deal with this quickly if I wanted to save them. I hope you're up for a wild ride, Noel. I raised my sword and pointed at him as he came closer. You must be out of your mind to come at me like this, Manon. This blade is not restrained by one of your allies this time, and it will burn you down right to your rotten soul. He faltered a bit, his eyes locked on the burning energy coming from the blade. Did he suddenly realize the danger? He shook his head, his smile fading slightly, and dove in at me in a wild rush. I met his blade with my own. There was a flash of power from the blade, and I felt it all down my arms, a hot wave of resistance that ended in a terrible sizzling sound. He screamed in agony, and stood there holding his arm. There was a dark, smoking ruin at the end of his arm, and licks of green flame danced across his hand. His usual perfect calm face was racked with straining lines of pain. What the hell? You're weeping? It was unmistakable. There were dark tears flowing from his eyes. He glared at me, and his other hand sprouted a similar black blade. I have heard the definition of insanity as doing the same thing over and over again, and expecting something different to happen. This time I met his rush with a swing that broke his blade, and decapitated him. The flow of energy was much stronger this time, as if his life force was trying to resist being dead. Manon's head went tumbling off his shoulders, and landed with a thump on the ground. Talk about anticlimactic. The body kept going for a bit, then caught on fire from head to toe. I kicked it to the earth so I wouldn't hurt anyone. The head was still on fire as well but I could see a strange hint of a smile on his face. I pulled off my jacket and threw it over the ugly thing. I couldn't afford the time to linger, and turned away from the body. Sirens hailed in the distance. Do not come near this area, I shouted to the gathering crowd. I'll be back. So much for the idea of keeping a low profile. I rose up into the air and flew off towards the direction of the limo, my sword humming with deadly energy. If those bastards did anything to Flynn, they would die slow, and I'd have to get in line behind Casey. I grabbed my medallion. Flynn. Son, are you okay? Dad? There are guys crashing into the car. Flynn. Listen carefully. Give Grandpa your medallion, okay? There was a moment of disconnect. I increased my power and flew even faster. The streets began to fly by, and I could hear honking cars not too far away. Please let me get there. Da? Da! Aye, don't bloody shout. They're Manon's people, Da. Don't take any chances. Have you still got your peace? Aye. If they try to get in the car, blow their heads off. It should slow them down. 
Slow him down? What the hell, Mickey? I'm getting closer. Can you see a street sign at all? I... Timberton, Lakeville. Noel was really gunning it, but that was all I needed to know. I jumped from where I was, homing on the location of my mind by the intersection. In a very real way, I was connected to all the worlds, whether I consciously knew the place or not, and I could extend my power where I needed to. I popped into being above the intersection and looked for the limo. I could hear the whine of those bikes now. There! It was in the middle of the mess of traffic turning into the highway. The bikes were flanking the limo, and the riders were hammering on it with mauls and clubs made of the same dark stuff. Oh, what the hell was happening here? Hey, assholes! I soared in and picked up the first one under his arms. He swung at me wildly, trying to get free. I tossed him in an oncoming traffic, and watched with grim satisfaction as he disappeared under the wheels of a semi. His bike toppled and skidded to its side. The other bikers saw me coming at them. One went for something in his coat, and I dodged to the side. A dozen rounds went whizzing by me from a small automatic pistol in his hand. These guys had come prepared. Well, yeah, sort of. The pistol appeared in my hand a moment later, and I grinned at the owner. I opened fire on the pair, trying to bust their way into the limo, keeping the kill zone nice and tight. Thank you, Casey. I blew big holes in them, primarily where I was aiming in the chest and head. The bikes started to swerve. Now, now, now. I swooped in and grabbed the bikes by the handlebars and brought them to a halt. The limo slowed down and I saw Da open the window. The last of them took one in the shoulder from his wild firing. Damn it. At least it didn't hit anyone else. The last biker toppled off his bike and folded over a concrete divider. His bike ground against the divider in a shower of sparks and broke up into pieces. Cars were screeching to a halt around the spectacle, and Noel screeched on the brakes. I sheathed my sword, setting it back to where it came from, and landed next to the limo. My dad peered out from the few inches or so open the window. The pistol dad had smoked a bit in his hand. I saw past him to where Flynn was crouched in his seat, hands over his ears. He didn't look like he was in pain. Good. Give me that, I said, holding out my hand to him. Dad frowned at me, but handed the gun over. He was about to get out of the limo when I stopped him. Please, Dad, stay with Flynn until I'm sure it's safe to get out. Aye, son. Noel's getting Casey here to bring us home anyways. Noel got out of the limo, medallion in hand, and nodded at me. A few seconds later, a portal opened beside the limo, and Casey stepped out. She was looking very pissed and very armed. Where's Flynn? He's in the limo, honey. I came around, and we were both there for him when the door opened. Flynn was beginning to shake, and Casey put her arms around him. I felt the sick pangs of guilt stir in my gut at the sight of my family so distressed. We were attacked and that was that. They were after us, whoever they were. I put my arm around both of them and held them for a moment. Then I took my dad's hand. I'm sorry, I yelled. Thanks, Da. He gripped my hand. Casey rubbed Flynn's shoulder and looked up at me. There was only one question in her eyes. Yeah, it's that kind of trouble. I walked back to where the one rider was wriggling, his back broken over to the divider. I reached down and ripped his helmet off. The face was Benon's, but his hair was close-cropped and there was stubble on his cheeks. A trickle of black ran down from the corner of his mouth. He reached up at me, the black oozing from his hand to form a crude blade. I grabbed his arm and broke it, so it hung limp. He yelled out in agony and I gripped the front of his riding jacket. I really don't care what face you care to wear. I'm going to tell you how this is going to go, you evil little prick. You're going to give me a name. Or I find other parts of you to break until I find the one that hurts you the most. Who sent you? He grinned and shook his head. You attacked my family. I wanted to reach up and crush his throat, choke the blackness from him. The only thing that held me back was a memory from before when I lost control and the dark thing that I once was took hold. Lyconis was long gone, but his shadow was still there, buried in my heart. 
I released my grip on the broken man. No one is coming to help you. Did you miss how easily your fellows went down against me? I'll spare you if you give me a name. This is for the Queen. He punctuated his first and only statement by driving his broken arm's blade into his throat and up into his brain. He flinched and twitched and lay still. Bloody fanatic. Who are these crazy, crazy people? I turned to see that Casey was not too far behind, her hands sitting on the butts of her guns. She was looking at the dead man with a dull, flat stare of hatred. I looked towards the limo, but I couldn't see anyone. They must have returned home. Casey glanced back where I was looking. I sent them back, Mick. I didn't want to see Flynn see what you were going to do. I'm sorry, Casey, but it's, it's what I have to do now. You were on the edge of losing it, Mick. I saw the look on your face. What if Flynn saw that, too? He loves you. He looks up to you. I am in control, love. I am. I felt a slight tremor under my feet. Boom! The echoing sound of an explosion sounded from back where we came from, and I spun around in time to see a fiery cloud shoot up into the sky. Oh no, what now? I turned to Casey. I have to go. Not without me, you don't. She grabbed my arm and wouldn't let go. Okay, I said, putting my arm around her. I concentrated on the area outside the market and willed us there. It was an incredible drain on my energies, taking us both. I felt a bit dizzy as we popped back into being, but the scene in front of us instantly focused me. Chapter 7 the wooden signs and posts had turned to ashes and splinters from the force of the explosion, and the shattered forms of Caledon's people lay in the midst of the rubble, some moving, but many not. There were pieces of people just lying about, and I did the best to stifle the raw anger, the outrage that rose up in my heart at the sight of it all so we could do something more useful than just scream. Casey was doing much better at this than I was, and was already moving to the nearest moaning victim to heal them with her power. I used some of the little energy that I had left and stifled the fires that still burned among the rubble. I willed a strong wind to rise for a few moments and cleared away the smoke. I could feel how drained I was becoming. I needed to get back to hearth and recharge, or I'd be restricted to my normal powers alone. Emergency crews had just arrived, and we were moving to help as many people as they could. There were dozens of people here, either dead or wounded. I watched Casey do her thing, laying her hands on the wounded to take away their pain and help heal their wounds. She had cultivated her power over the years so that she no longer needed to kill in order to heal. She said it was much harder to power up since we weren't really fighting anyone worth shooting. Her father had been betrayed and murdered by thieves in a tavern, and she had discovered her power after avenging him. The paramedics looked at her in awe as she walked from patient to patient, doing her thing as if it was the most natural act in the world. They ignored me as I walked through the rubble. I could see where the blast happened now. Once the smoke and flame was gone, the source was obvious. My heart sank as I watched charred pieces of colored paper and plastic flitter down from above to rest on the ruined stall where the woman had sold her beautiful kites, and the green dragon was a splintered, charred thing lying on its side, slain and brought low by base villainy. I ripped aside the broken pieces of the stall, hoping that she had survived. I couldn't hear anyone moaning. After a moment or so of digging, I found her. The explosion had killed her outright, snuffing the life that she had fought so hard to preserve through the tragedy in Trelane. Damn you, whoever you are. Damn you for this. 
I reached down and did my best to put her hands across her chest. Something rolled out from the clutched fingers of her right hand, and it made a tinkling sound as it rolled across the pavement. I scooped it up and held it up so I could see what it was. As I wiped the grime from its surface, I recognized it immediately. I shoved it in my pocket and shook my head. I realized I didn't even know the name of the woman that was killed to send me a message, nor did I know the identities of all the others who ended up as collateral damage. There were millions upon millions of people in the way now who would suffer terribly if another war began. I walked away from the ruin and made my way through the crowd of walking wounded and those trying to help them until I found Casey. She was holding the hand of a little boy as they sat together over the dying form of his mother. She looked up at me, her eyes seeming a thousand years old. Casey was exhausted. The little boy saw me as well and his eyes opened wide. I nodded at him. I've got nothing left, Mick. There's too many. I took her hand in mine. Take all I've got left, love. If it will help her, take it all. She smiled at me and put her other hand around the hand of the boy's mother. She was barely conscious and I could feel her pain through the length that Casey was making to try and help her. Her lungs were burnt and her skin was burnt so badly that every second was agony. It wouldn't be long now. The energy flowed from me into Casey and then into her. She swished a little as Casey's power worked through her, and the healing began. Casey and I sat together in the bumper of an ambulance outside the market. I'd wrapped her up in a blanket as the cold crept in with the night. She was very weary, and just as depleted as I was. I couldn't even trade a pencil for a pen if I wanted to. A young cop came over and handed us two cups of steaming coffee, his hands shaking slightly as he handed them over. Casey had never really liked the stuff, but she took it anyway. I thanked him and took the cup in my hands. You're, uh, you're welcome, patron. Mick, I said, sticking my hand out. Just Mick. He shook it and seemed to breathe a little easier for doing so. Uh, this could have been worse, sir, if not for you and your wife. Thank you both. We looked at each other. Casey and I both thinking the same thought. Yeah, I'm glad we were here. The cop nodded and walked away in other business. Casey dug at her medallion from underneath the blanket and handed it to me. Let's go home. I leaned over and kissed her on the forehead. Henry, I spoke, taking hold of the medallion. We need your help. Chapter 8. I pulled my big chair as close to the fire as I dared and slumped into it. Casey had sat up for a bit with Flynn to help him talk it out so that he could sleep. Flynn was always full of ideas and concerns, probably way too much for someone of his tender years. He took after me that way, I guess. He was conceived in a time of strife, and maybe a little bit of that it came through as anxiety. Then there was today, and all the violence that had turned a fun outing in a big city to a terrifying assault. He also saw me murder a bunch of people, which I was the most sorry for in that respect. Little discussion I had with him, less than a day ago, seemed moot now. Sure, I stopped a war by taking the weapons away, but then I savagely destroyed another bunch. Some killed using their own weapons. Someday, I really hoped that he'd understand the reason why. I pulled the object out of my pocket that I found at the stall and ran my thumb across the three points that stood out along the top of it. 
I hadn't shown it to Casey yet. You kind of look like shit, Henry said, coming into the sitting room. I palmed the object and slipped it back into my pocket. He grabbed a nearby chair, pulled it up close, and sat down. He was wearing a well-worn work shirt, a pair of grungy cargo pants, and scuffed-up work boots. His hair was tied back and his goggles were pushed under the top of his forehead. Thanks. <laughs> Same to you. Worry not. I am just full of useful insults for you this evening. If it helps, your technique is really getting rusty, too. Sorry? Well, your effort to conceal what you were just playing with was real shoddy. I think if you didn't have your power, your shady takings and leavings would have had you rotting in prison for a goodly long time. <sighs> Sue me, Henry. I'm hurting here. Fine. So, what is it? I gave him a sideways glance and dug into my pocket. I pulled out the little thing and placed it in his hand. Say nothing to anyone, Henry. Not yet. He frowned and turned it around in his hand. This, uh, this isn't, uh, it looks like it. Henry looked around to make sure no one was coming and held it up to the light. The firelight shone off of the gold finish of a tie pin shaped like a three-point crown. He shook his head and handed it back to me. This is impossible, Mick. I know what you mean, but all the same. We searched for how long, and you would have sensed if he was alive. Keep your damn voice down. All we've got is the tie pin. It doesn't prove that he's still around. Not for certain, no. But if I wanted to make sure that you knew it was me, I would do something like that, just to mess with you. Oh, his style, for sure. I stuffed the pin back into my pocket. So, what's our next move? I sat up in my chair, feeling refreshed from the rush of power from the fire. It wasn't good to keep feeding on it like this without actually sleeping or eating, but I had a feeling that those comforts would be few and far between for a while. I turned my dirty suit into a fresh pair of trousers, a clean shirt, hiking boots, and my hooded long coat. Henry raised his eyebrows and crossed his arms. Forget what I said before. Nice. I grinned. Now we need to let all the representatives that aren't here know what happened and have them keep a close watch on their worlds. We also need eyes on every world, so... I'll get them ready. I'm going to need you to power them up for me, though. It'll be well before I can, Henry. Today's atrocities took a lot out of me. I need time to regain my strength. I'll be along in a bit, okay? Henry rose from his chair. Human after all, he said, slapping me on the shoulder. He walked out of the room, leaving me to my thoughts. Feeling more or less like it every day. The fire roared, and I sat there, staring into it. Its fires were made from the channeled energy of all the souls in the worlds. As they grew, changed, evolved into the next batch of people. I used perhaps less than a fraction of that energy each day. It was all I could contain without blowing up like Apostos did when he attempted to take control of the throne. I always suspected him of doing more than keeping it warm for me, but only he knew for sure. It was a miracle that I could actually channel it at all. Maybe Father knew that it would be possible, and maybe he didn't. Whatever the case, I knew that he would never have allowed anyone but himself to sit there. That was something I was beginning to understand myself. Being in control was good, and when you weren't in control, it was devastating. These were my worlds now, my people to protect and nurture until... who knows? My son and my wife were part of that, and were more precious to me than anything else. The idea that Jack still lived, in hiding no doubt, and that he hurt my people was sickening to me. Who did he think he was trying something like this? But he couldn't be alone, could he? That minute on the highway said it, for the lady. So where Jack was, so too was Penny. 
Then again, this could be a trick by someone else, someone trying to lead clues to draw me away from the real danger. I needed to know more. The last people to see them alive were Falkir, Lethia, and Nicholas, their bloody little kingdom fraternity. No trace of Nicholas or Falkir had ever been found, so we assumed that they were well and truly dead. Lethia had died a pretty nasty death, but at least we found her atop a pile of Menon's twisted creations, the head of one of them cradled in her arms after she broke its neck. Lethia had not died without honor in my mind. Father had purged her of the dark soul inside her after Menon had destroyed her, and brought her back to join in the final battle where she fought to the death for all of us. I took it upon myself to bury her on Kamog, in the ruins of the city where her people once lived. I had no doubt that she was probably the last person to see either Jack or Penny alive. It put me in a strange frame of mind. It gave me somewhat of an unsavory idea. My senses opened up as I sat there to look about Hearth. Flynn and Casey were asleep in our apartment. Dahl was passed out reading a book. Harkle was asleep in the guest tower. Henry and Nakoom were working in Henry's lab under the castle. I could see the pulsing of Henry's machines. He was successfully distracted. I rose from my chair by the fire, completely refreshed, despite putting on the act in front of Henry. He was my friend, but he wasn't the one who was responsible for all the worlds, and I couldn't trust him with what I was going to do. The doors closed quietly behind me, and I applied a bit of energy to keep them closed. I closed my eyes, looking into the depths of my mind where the memories I inherited when I became patron were stored. Most were a jumble of strange, disconnected images from Father's reign that I couldn't quite make sense of, but there were other images that were sharp and salient. What I was looking for loomed up out of the darkness. A pair of large oak doors bound by wrought iron and framed in stone. I reached out with my hand in front of me and felt the cold stone of the frame. I ran my fingers along the grain of the wood and opened my eyes. There, in front of the fire, was the stone doorway, with its heavy wooden doors, with the iron frame shaped like the roaring head of a lion. I stepped forward and seized the handle. It was iron and cold, stinging my skin with the feel of it. I pulled the door open and left the warmth of hearth behind me. Thank you for listening and supporting this podcast. Keep sharing and subscribing to help me bring the story to you each week. Come back next week for another episode of The Lost Tribe, Dark Star.